Well, welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how following Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. I'm Dan, and as usual, here with Garrett. Hi. And we are joined by the inimitable <laughs> Gary Keith, our lead pastor for Life Bible Fellowship Church. And what we're going to look to talk about today um, in this series that we're doing called LBF Church Will Never Be the Same um, is just to talk about things that we've been through as a church during COVID and specifically mm-hmm. about sort of decision-making processes, a, a little bit of pe- peeling back the veil, because mm-hmm. probably a lot of people in our congregation and a lot of people in churches all over the nation and all over the world sort of see the finished product of, well, this is what the church is doing, but don't necessarily know all the internal decisions and prayers and wrestlings that go on with it. Um, so we thought we'd start, Gary. <laughs> um, maybe you could just lead us through what are some of the decisions that have been made during this time? Because we've been through many stages, and that means there's been a lot of decisions that have come through. Yeah, I I, I had to recount a lot of the decisions. I spent some time thinking about it, so I have way more than we probably will talk about today. <laughs> but, you know, this all started on March 12th. And I remember, Dan, I called you on a Thursday night, and I think I called uh, uh, Ryan as well, and we said, hey, we got to make some decisions. And I remember us gathering together on Friday uh, morning, mm-hmm. and we were going to say, what are we going to do and how are we going to handle this? And, uh, you know, within that short period of time, we were able to really turn around from a live service to our first online recorded service with music and message and hosting and all that. And, and uh, you know, we've been doing that now since March 15th for, what is that, eight months plus. And uh, that was the probably the first, but a very important decision. But then we begin to ask ourselves, um, when things were you know, under moving through the different months, we began to say, well, how are we going to treat uh, our response to some of the guidelines and some of the, the things that the government was going to put before us? And I remember that uh, we came up with, with three foundational principles, and, and we decided one of them would be that we would adhere to the government guidelines, because as we looked at them, we looked at our scriptures, we looked at particularly Romans 13, the first five or six verses, we looked at Acts chapter 4, where Stephen was told he can't preach the gospel, and uh, was eventually stoned for that. And we even looked at a couple of Old Testament passages as well. We decided that we're not being discriminated against. This is a health issue, and that we can still worship God through smaller gatherings, even though we couldn't in person. Now, we had no idea at the time it was going to be, what, eight months? Or it's going to be longer than that, quite frankly. And so we've had to wrestle with that decision uh, several times throughout this journey. And uh, we've continued to decide that at this point with what we're being asked and what we can do now, which is meeting outdoors— and we can gather together in-person services, albeit under a canopy or some, like Jeff likes to call it, a tabernacle, mm-hmm. uh, that, <laughs> that we are able to worship God. And it's, it's a different location, but we're, we have a lot of freedom in that. So we don't see that we're being, as a church, discriminated against. And so we've decided to continue to, to do our best to seek to abide by those government guidelines. Now, in the midst of all this, though, I, we had a whole bunch of staff that were doing all sorts of things that were... A lot of it was geared to Sunday morning and producing or getting ready for Sunday morning. So uh, out of our nearly 30 staff, there were a number of roles and responsibilities. There were a number of decisions because we wanted to keep, a lot, keep people connected to, their, to the church here. So that decision was, was a big part of it as well, is giving people new opportunities to do different kinds of things to help do what we wanted to do. 
So we said, how are we going to stay connected to our church family besides the online service? So, you know, I know that we did the uh, LBF dailies. Garrett, I remember mm-hmm. you were kind of a, an advocate for that and helped us get going on that, we, mm-hmm. which were like de- devotional times. Um, and we've done a number of online different things that help us stay connected. We created a whole life kids online, yeah. like a recreation of a Sunday morning ministry. And then Lori has presented to the parents all sorts of resources. Those were decisions. And then they said, hey, you gotta close the you gotta close your office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't be in there. Are we essential? Are we not essential? You know, to this moment, I'm not quite sure whether we are essential or not essential because we got lumped into a lot of things that were closed. But we, you know, we kept the office operating with key essential people and uh, to handle things like the finances and bill paying and, and all those types of things and sermon prep. And we were able to gather together and record our messages and, and all that. And so there these decisions, I remember living in this time that just like every, it seemed like every couple of days, mm-hmm. there was like a new edict that came down. You can't do this or you can't do this. And there was um, a certain amount of frustration because there was no stability we it was just like we were unable to have some kind of pattern that we could count on from week to week, like we can now. I mean, we've been in a pretty good mode right now, but those early days, they were really, they were really tough. Um, and so, um, those are some of the things I remember in the early days. Let me look at my notes here for just a minute on a couple of things. Um, Yeah, one of the other big decisions we knew is we wanted to be supportive of people who may have lost their job, who were LBF church members, who were lost their job due to COVID. And so we had some money set aside, and so we were able to help, I think, up to about a half a dozen families. And quite surpri- quite, fr- quite surprisingly, I thought it was going to be a whole lot more. Yeah. But we've been able to help people. You know, another big decision was in July, uh, because uh, we opened the Upland Community Resource Center. And that was considered an essential service because it was providing help financially and tangible things for people who may have lost their jobs. And uh, I just got a report from Troy uh, recently that said, in the first five months of opening, we've helped over 520 families, not people, families with food, utilities, job placement, and stopping people from losing their homes. And I just think that's been a great partnership that we've had in the city of Upland, and uh, it's it's continuing to be a source of hope and help. So those are just some, I mean, I could go on. Let me just pause there for a minute and say, yeah. those are some key decisions that we made. We had to decide when we were going to open. I'm going to keep going for a minute. Uh, <laughs> we had to decide when to reopen the office. How do we reopen the office? How much acrylic do we put? How many, mm-hmm. When do we wear masks? When do we don't wear masks? Because we really wanted to create a safe as possible environment for our staff. And and one of the things I'm really excited about is so far that uh, none of our staff have gotten COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big hallelujah and a big grace of God gift to Amen. us uh, in, during this COVID time. So yeah. those are just kind of a couple highlights. And and even to this day, um, you know, we've, we've been living by these three principles. Uh, one of them had to be connected to our mission, that we wanted to continue to fulfill our mission uh, with new creative ways. 
And our mission is, just by way of reminder, is we want to passionately pursue life in Jesus and lead our neighbors to do the same. So we've been thinking as a staff, what decisions do we need to make Hmm. to keep that going? How does it work out in life groups? And so there's just a ton of decisions we could spend the next hour talking about. But let me just stop and and reflect for a minute and ask what else you have for me. Thanks for for giving us a little insight on uh, what it was like. Yeah. So I'm curious of what it was like for you. You've been at the church for a while, if you don't know. Uh, <laughs> April 1st, 1981, is that right? Yeah, 4481. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, 4181. You've been through a lot of transitions here at the church. I imagine that this was unlike any other. But I'm curious for you, what was it like as a leader of our church to, to jump into those decisions and know that you've got to make a decision and, and to know that it's going to affect um, substantial elements of our church? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what it was like for you to experience that, but also, you know, what did you personally, how did you turn to God in those moments, and what was your guiding light? So my guiding light, well, first of all, let me just back up. Uh, I've been the lead pastor since 2011, so it's the first time I've really been what you might call the number one guy, and it feels a whole lot differently, quite frankly, uh, because while I'm a collaborative leader and I like to get as much input as possible and I feel like we're a team and I think we make better decisions as a team, in this kind of situation, it's kind of like, well, someone's got to make the call. And I remember you know, some of the decisions that were made, We didn't. not everyone that were on, was on the same page, but we all supported one another. We, mm-hmm. If they were in charge, they may have done something a little differently, or a little, but we never really separated or divided as a staff. But it still felt responsible because you're talking – um, why we don't see this many on a, on a t- given Sunday morning, we've just worked on our database. We probably have a good 2,500 people who are part of this church. So I'm going, I don't want to be responsible for making a decision that's going to put them in a unsafe or in a, in a bad situation. And so there was a weight of responsibility. And um, probably for the last, uh, well, ever since I graduated from seminary, one of the key uh, life-giving practices that I have is I automatically wake up in the morning pretty early. No alarm clock. I just wake up. And there was a time where I offered a prayer, and I just said, God, when you wake me up, I'm going to give you the first part of my day. And today it was about an hour and a half of time. And I got to tell you, I pause, I sit, I reflect in the quietness. And My kids have moved out. They're all adults, so they've moved out of the home. And, and so I have a quiet environment. And I just wait on the Lord, I read scripture, and I continue to pray. And the very first verse that came to my mind in the very first couple of days, I've repeated a couple times to our staff, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Mm. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, mm. and he will guard and direct your paths. That may be a little bit off, but that's from my memory. And so I've just tried to keep acknowledging him, and I keep asking him for direction, and also take the input from our staff. And we have some really quality staff who have great ideas, who think differently than me, and it all works really well. So knowing, number one, that I could turn to God, and he's been faithful to me in, in times before this COVID, I could go with confidence to say, God's going to be faithful again. And then knowing that we have the relationship, I'm a relational guy, so knowing we have the relationship with the staff that's healthy and good, there's not conflict, that was also comforting because I didn't have to do this totally alone. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had to make a call, and the staff's been great, but I was not alone. And so those kind of factors have really played in to uh, the decisions and how I've managed this time. Hmm. I, I've got to tell you, though, it has been fatiguing. It does take it out of you. Yeah. Um, uh, and 
you know, just look forward to the time where we can return and to really pursuing the mission that we have in a pretty aggressive and unrestricted way. Yeah, one of the things coming to my mind as you were sharing those is, you know, we just got done reading a book together as a pastoral team, yeah. um, and one of the sections talked about pride, and a, a thing that I highlighted was um, pride um, Pride often will show up when we um, are not okay with the idea that we've been misunderstood. And I just think during this time, during all times, if you're in leadership, which all three of us are blessed to be in leadership here at this church, um, you have to figure out a way to live with the fact that there will be people who just misunderstand what's going on or why we're doing what we're doing. Man, this time is ripe with that. You know, if, you know, for for some people, um, if you, uh, if you open up, you just don't care about the fact that people are getting sick. If you don't open up fully, you're just living in fear or kowtowing to the government. So, exactly. so there's so much room for people to jump to conclusions about why we're doing what we're doing. And at the same time, I know as you were sharing, um, to, to use an overused word, this was, this was a nuanced approach where we were saying we've got the factor of, especially at the beginning, we care about our people. We don't want to put our people in danger. We don't even know what this thing is. We know that we need to obey the government. We also know that there's exceptions when God's <laughs> mission for us out. And so there are these different factors yep. weighing into all this. Um, just for you, Gary, are there things that are there things that you would want, especially for our church family, sort of to know about the reason we've done this or the reason we're doing this is not this thing you might assume, but really is this? Because I was having a conversation, an online conversation with somebody. And I felt a lot of joy in being able to assure her, I am not aware of a single decision we have made that was driven from fear. Um, and I felt like I could say that in utterly good conscience, even though for her, her first impression was clearly, if they're not open fully with children's ministry, you know, et cetera, it must be because of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so does anything come to mind for you just in that regard? Well, I think early on... Uh one of the things that I remember thinking about had to do with just the life of Jesus. Um, because we could have been a church that says, well, we demand our constitutional rights. We're going to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that's one way to approach it. And that's mm-hmm. what some people have chosen. And I, I think as I was reading scripture, it came to my mind, and, and I know it's been affirmed by other staff members, that if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, how did Jesus handle his life mm-hmm. when he was facing things he didn't want to go through, namely the cross? He pleaded with the Father and said, not my will, your will be done. And so, mm-hmm. and I think about his court, his time in the court and before, and, and not really reviling against him, not demanding his rights as a human citizen or, you know, those human being and those types of things. And so I felt like, okay, if we're going to model Jesus as a church, we have neighbors all around us. So if we model Jesus by saying, we're going to live within these because we can, we can move into new creative ways to gather looking forward to that time we're actually in person, then are we also providing a a message to those around us who don't know Christ that are saying, Mm -hmm. these guys are not just concerned about themselves and their own rights, they also are concerned for me. So I think part of this, Dan, I remember was coming up to the thought, well, this makes a lot of sense to me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so this idea of love came full front and center. And so as Christians, we love other people. And this to me was a demonstration of our love, not demanding our rights, not saying, well, dot, dot, dot. We are going to love them by doing these things. So that was a, did that answer your question yeah. okay, I think? When I, and I think that, I mean, that that is that is a great point just in saying that. And I know even for some of us, you know, when, when you get into mass and, and all this stuff, everybody, <laughs> of course, has a strong opinion, yeah. including, I'm, I'm sure, the three of us. Um, but even with that, when we were opening up the, the office again and looking for how we were going to engage with one another <laughs> as staff members, I mean, I know, you know, a, a part of the thing that I've tried to communicate to people at different times is, um, and, and it's not their fault, but just you're not aware of the thoughts and the conversations and the prayers and the debates that went into so many of these decisions, yeah. because we are seeing that there's a give and take. We we are, you know, as a staff looking at it saying, we want to be able to see each other's faces, and we don't want to be hiding behind masks. And at the same time, we want to recognize there's different vulnerabilities and there's different comfort levels. And so I know Romans 14 and 15, but especially Romans 14, mm-hmm. for me, has been one of the guiding forces through this time because it talks about how we engage with each other in debatable matters. And, mm-hmm. you know, to paraphrase Paul or update it, it would be, you know, don't despise the person who's wearing the mask and don't condemn the person who's not wearing the mask. Yeah. It's sort of the sense of Romans 14. <laughs> um, but not only is is the love shown, I think, in the fact that we've looked to say we're not going to lead with demanding our rights, but you mentioned before the the Upland uh, Community Resource Center. Mm-hmm. I just think it's marked, and and I love you know the way that Troy has led and the way that you've led in this way. Yeah. Um, that one of the areas where we've been more active in saying we're willing to put ourselves at risk is in saying we want to love the people of Upland and we want to help the people that are especially hurting. I mean that for me, like that speaks to Jesus to say we're going to be willing to downplay our demand for our own rights, and we are going to play up our mission of saying we will put ourselves at risk for something that's that important. Yeah. Hmm. I, I will say that very confidently. A true statement for me is during this entire time, I have not personally been fearful, and I have not been trying to live and, and move my personal decisions or the ways we operate our church based on fear, but based on principles within Scripture, foundations, common sense that says this is real, let's do some things that are safety, but let's manage those well. And so the Upland CRC, I mean, (laughs) I've been a a friend of the guy who's helped working with us in that for eight years. He even brought that up to me. He says, Gary, you stuck with me for eight years. And I go, God, you opened this up during a pandemic. What an odd time for this to finally launch. (laughs) And you know what he said to me? His name's Leaf. He says, Gary, this is the best time to open this up. Mm. And I think 520 people in five months would be a demonstration. I had no idea how many people. These are just Upland people. We don't help Rancho or Ontario. These are Upland people that have been able to see the love of Jesus demonstrated in tangible ways and hear the gospel. And so he goes, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for your grace. And and so, um, yeah, it is kind of a strange. As you were talking, I was going, boy, this is a little bit strange to think we opened this up right in the middle of the pandemic, but yeah. we did, and it's having an impact. And it also is speaking loudly to our city. We have had so many positive comments from city officials, all the way from the mayor down. 
And they are loving the fact that we are there from the police department who are actually bringing people to us that they pick up off of the street mm. and are saying, help, please help. And we're helping. We, we're able to help. And so uh, this has been a work of God during a very important time. And I just see it as an act. You're right, Dan. Yeah. I see it as an act of love that God has opened up the opportunity for us. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. You know, I, I'd like to see if I could, you know, um, ask you some questions that maybe talk a little bit about some of the trans changes the church has gone through and might go through uh, in the future. Some of the things that Dan and I have talked about is that this time kind of feels like uh, a great revealer of, of many things. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, um, has God shown you anything about the way that we do church or the way that we've done church that now has been revealed to you because of the way we now have to do church, you know, remotely and outside, um, you know, what does that say about what God is trying to do right now uh, with LBF and maybe what God wants to do with the church in the future? Um, he, it had, there has been a great revelation. Um, one of the things I would say is our mission that I've stated before, I think, is a strong, viable, consistently good mission. I'm not sure, you know, mission I always say is a North Star where you look out and it doesn't move a whole lot. It's stable. Mm -hmm. And this idea of passionately pursuing, I mean, when have we achieved that mission? <laughs> I mean, and when we lead our neighbors, how many neighbors are still out there to lead? And so I think this mission is really still strong. But I think as we've lived with the changes of going off campus, closing down the buildings, but still doing ministry, and then seeing the response uh, of just where we're at as a church, I, I think God has been good at revealing that while the mission is still strong, we have a lot of opportunity for growth, mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity to, um, to get even more intentional in helping ourselves and our people, the people part of this church, have a, a personal uh, ongoing daily relationship with God that's viable and real and meaningful that answers the life's questions that they have. We call that discipleship here in the Christian community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, I look forward to taking what we have learned in that area of life and saying, how can we be creative? How can we take what we've learned and move that needle forward for those who are Christians who are part of our church family? I, I also think that... Um, we have learned a lot about the digital world mm -hmm. and how it can be used in ministry. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how to reach people. You know, I, I've been trying to equip myself all throughout this time by listening to people that I respect, and they talk about relaunching the church or rebuilding the church when, it's, when, it's up, when we have that opportunity and, 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 and uh, reaching the generations besides. I'm a boomer generation, so in my generation, I remember when I was worship pastor, it was all about come and entertain me. You know, they came and mm -hmm. big production and do the music the best. And not that we don't want to do great worship and great teaching, but the younger generation is looking for authenticity and genuineness. And so here's the challenge for us as a church. How do we as a church grow in the reality of expressing our relationship with God, call it discipleship, in genuineness and realness and really saying yes to God in those hard moments and, and, and using that as the opportunity to reach other people that we know. And then the digital part to me is more about um, 
you know, one of the things, if people listen to anything at all, they'll, they may hear this statement, you know, the, the Gen Z, which are the high school, late high schoolers and early college these days. I mean, they have grown up with a phone in their pocket. Mm-hmm. They have grown up with a mini computer that has more power than, than the Apollo spacecraft had to launch it to the moon. Mm-hmm. And so how can we leverage that tool that they have in their pocket to reach them for the name of Jesus before we even see them and guide them into seeing the, the value of community and, and coming together in, in face-to-face opportunities? So I, I just, I'm looking forward to um, what God has for us to grow in our genuine, authentic life with Jesus and how we as a, as a church can grow in, in discipleship. And then also how we can utilize and, and leverage the digital world to reach people uh, for Jesus. Wow, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I think even even with that, just you know, because uh, it was a great question, Garrett. Just looking at you know where are we going from here. I think a thing I've found myself doing, and I I don't know I don't know if I'm picking up right. It seems like it's something that I've heard you doing also, Gary. Is just. Um, talking to our people a lot more about what it means to be a church family. Yeah. Because when some of those things that we tend to rely on, or, I mean, even, you know, I've, I've, I've tried for years, but this year in particular, even before all the COVID things, I was really trying to eradicate from my vocabulary terms like going to church. Like even, <laughs> yep. I, I discipline myself, even when I'm texting Karina, even when I'm texting my wife, um, I'll say like, I'll see you at the church campus. Like just to try to really remind myself with every saying, the church is the people. And when we weren't able to meet on the campus, it was like you had to embrace that reality. You know, even when people would say churches are closed, that that's a misnomer. Church campuses were closed and that there weren't meetings happening, but the church is the people of God. So I just think not just for our church, although I do hope it's it's true of our church that we get a bigger, clearer view of what the church is, and that we also get to be refined down to that, what is at the core when things are stripped away? Because like you said, generations mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. There are things, you know, that there are things that I loved in the 90s when I was in youth group <laughs> that I just, you know, were a big part of my youth group experience and made a lot of sense at the time that I would not recommend doing now. I think it would be terrible ideas now. Um, not but they were good ideas then. And then there's other things that were bad ideas then that we don't know till now. So um, I, I just think that God is at work and that stripping down, and that's something that we get to try to take advantage of to say, how do, how do we make the most of a time where we can't do certain things that we might otherwise doing, and then to bring up those questions of saying, is that something we should be still doing? Is, is that something that's at the core? Mm-hmm. And if there's only so much we can do, what are we going to put all that energy towards? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like we have to let go of the things that we think of when we say the word church. Yeah. You know, back in the day when people, and people probably still do, kind of argue about little changes to the service and, and music style, we would say, well, what they like is the type of music the things they remember when they first started attending church. Mm-hmm. But of course, when we had to close <laughs> church down for eight weeks and meet only on the online, then there's nothing to hold on to anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, we've made so many changes. But but how how is God going to use that when we begin to pull things back together? Like you said, I love how you said, what are the things that we want to make sure are in there? And what are the things that we can now let go of because we had to? 
right. for eight months or a year or two. Yeah. And then you get to ask, I mean, it's similar to families, you know, that I was just, I was talking to a friend today and just trying to encourage them that I've been trying to encourage families, um, when ASO and little league and music lessons and, and martial arts are all open again, <laughs> pause before you enroll your kids in every one of those activities, ask the question, how many of these am I supposed to introduce back in? And and how many of these am I supposed to say, God gave me the freedom from feeling like I had to do all those. And I think there is a parallel for us as a church before we say, great, now there's a vaccine or now we're open. And so we're going to enter back in all of these things we used to do to say, well, wait, we had a break. Let's, let's look at what God will have us do. And I, while I don't know all the answers on those, there's a few that I suspect, there's others I don't know. Um, I think that's going to be a big part, and and God willing, not just for our church, but for a lot of churches, I think it'd be a missed opportunity if we didn't really look at that and and see what the Lord is calling us to do. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've been telling the staff, I don't really want to say we're going to reopen the church because right. that kind of connotes that we're right. going to do the same thing, but we want to rebuild. Yeah, in positive. Let's keep the things that are working and let's enhance them. And I and I'm with Dan. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like totally. What programs and how they will change? How will Sunday morning change? Will it change? What will we do online? How will we utilize? Those are all. But I got to tell you, as I just stop and think about it, it feels really good to think. I want to say on the offense instead of on the defense. Mm -hmm. It feels like for the longest time I've been on the defense, just trying to make sure we are still hanging on and we're alive in the midst of all the things that we have to face. It feels like I can think, and we are working as a team to work on the offense. And that feels good, and it feels exciting, even though I don't know, but I'm not afraid of that. Because I think this focus of our mission and the focus of discipleship and the focus of helping our church family really understand what being a part of a church family is all about and then reaching a generation that has a phone in their pocket, those three things alone, they bring me excitement because I think God's in the middle of all of that. We're right in the middle of him wanting us to become, because it's all about discipleship and evangelism. So those things cover that. Yeah. 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 Well, anything else, maybe just as we bring this together, anything else that you would just want to share with our church family, maybe briefly about, how you would encourage them to continue to engage with their church family during this strange time? Yeah, I think there's some, you know, there's, I don't know all the habits that people have gotten into, but we've been in this long enough to create either some really good sustaining habits or some bad habits as it comes to spiritual growth. So I think I would just encourage, first of all, if you're a parent, I would encourage you to continue to do intentional things. You are the primary the parents are the primary spiritual director goal. I mean, a family provide, I'm not saying this well, the primary person that helps your child grow spiritually. Yeah. So take advantage of the things we have, the, the online service, the resources, the ideas for devotionals. Let's just make a habit to start using those. And then for the, the, the dress of the church, let us continue to worship on a Sunday morning, whether online or in person. And when when you're beyond that, stage of, uh, it feels safe now, I'm going back. You know, I've talked to people who have underlying health issues as we've made some phone calls to people. I've I've heard people say, I'm not coming because my wife has an autoimmune disease. Hey, these are valid reasons. But when those are gone, 
overcome that habit that you've created of just watching it online and come back. There is nothing can take the place of in-person gatherings. Yeah. And so do that. But let's stay connected through the messages. The messages that we, the nine weeks we did on Agents of Light were powerful and they were important for all of our church to learn here mm-hmm. and all of our church to live with. And so I think that would be one thing, uh, a couple of things for, for me to think of. What else do you think of, Dan? Oh, yeah. Turn it back around on me. Yeah. You? No, I, I, I mean, I think what you said is important. I, I just, I, I do think one of the things God is doing in us is surrounding that whole reframing what we think about being a part of a church family, yeah. and that that does that goes beyond um, that. That certainly involves a, a attendance, if, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but looking at it and saying being a part of church family means everybody has a part to play. Um, it means we think in, in terms of we and our instead of you and me, mm-hmm. instead of um, I come and it's your job to give me a good product to say the church's problems are my problems yep. because this is my church family. Yep. The church's victory is like I had, I can claim personally almost no involvement in the UCRC, but I get to celebrate that victory with our church family yeah. so so that we get to to think in terms of we and our um, how about you, Garrett? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's similar in the sense that, you know, um, the church is is more than just coming on Sunday morning and, and yeah. getting that experience. And something that I that I hope that uh, we're all learning is that you know part of the our journey through discipleship, or actually all of it, relies on us <laughs> to explore that ourselves. Yeah, yeah. and that um, when church no longer happened like the way that we had become accustomed to. That doesn't mean that our faith journey stopped or was put on pause, but instead we had to explore, um, and we had to how it is that we want to grow, how it is that we want to continue to um, lean into God, and whether that's you know, the Bible reading plan or, or, or doing for the maybe for the first time in my life listening to a podcast about church, because in the past I would just make sure I, as long as I attended church once every three to five weeks that was enough. <laughs> But maybe now uh, you've taken on ourselves as a church family to begin to explore what it means to be in relationship with God. And that church is part of it, but another part of it is that personal journey and and how do we experience God on the daily basis um, using the tools that are provided and help from our church. Yeah, and I've already alluded to that as part of the strength of my own journey for the past number of years, but especially during COVID. So let me just restate again. I think we need to have a cultivating, intentional activity of connecting with God mm-hmm. and making it a priority in our life and do that above other things. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you. What you said is totally right. And that's yeah. that's a foundation that will provide spiritual strength and physical and emotional strength for us in, in all sorts of times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gary, thanks so much for being a part of this. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, I just appreciate you letting all of us, and, and hopefully if, if you're listening to this, you, you feel like you got a little bit of an insider's <laughs> view on some of the things. Um, and we love getting to do these. I, you can enjoy this and other podcast episodes, either by downloading it where wherever podcasts can be downloaded, um, or just by going on our webpage, lbf.church, and finding these. I uh, would love for your comments and feedback as we post this and as we also post it on social media outlets. And uh, we look forward to getting to interact with you in that way and also getting to interact as we continue to walk through the season as a church family. So God bless and look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast episode.